to another edition of the Away Days podcast, an abbreviated version this time as I will get into why that is momentarily, but not a moment of applause or even really an appreciation welcome back, but Laith, after two and a half long weeks doing whatever it was he was doing, but it damn sure wasn't this podcast, Lay, excited to welcome you back, well not really excited, but welcoming you back um, from your grandparents' house in front of those paintings of of uh, various fruit. Um, so, all right, so update us, Lath. What what have we been doing that's so much more important than this podcast that you had to miss the last two weeks? Oh man, uh, it's been out of my hands. I'm, for some reason, uh, my family decided to have three different Thanksgiving dinners instead of one giant one. So I don't know how that happened, but I ended up having to navigate all that. And then, uh, seeing as I don't have a job right now, my dad wanted me to come with him to take care of some business last Monday. So I didn't have much choice and in the matter there either because I'm Why does that sound like taking care of business means like going to kill somebody or something? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I mean, he had like a a business trip down in Savannah, so he wanted me to accompany him. Mm. Um, And I played no role whatsoever, so it was really pointless, but that's that's, that's the deal, I guess. (laughs) So uh, you you didn't tell him that you're on a, you have other responsibilities with a podcast that reaches a vast audience of, of, single digits <laughs> oh no i tried but he you know he wasn't buying that <laughs> not yet at least um but yeah <laughs> that's been me for well, a while uh, well uh, like i said not excited to have you back uh, ferg filled in admirably admirably excuse me in your absence um admirably in your absence that's a harder sentence to say than you would think right there um but anyway, Ferg joined us, and we only talked college football in that past episode. As you so politely, uh, you know, as we pointed out, you just ha- happened to take your leave of absence after Auburn suffering a four-game losing streak. So you didn't get to be on the butt end of a uh, of a lot of Auburn jokes, at least directly. But did you listen to the podcast? Because you might have those insults might have reached your ears anyway. If so, I did. I did listen to the podcast. Um, yeah, <laughs> I do want to decipher some of the, the voodoo, though, because, you know, I know that we're sp- going to focus on soccer for this podcast, but uh, I feel like I really need to talk about it. I I know y'all were going off on just kind of the atmosphere at Jordan Hare and how that really kind of played into the game and a game that we otherwise wouldn't have been in. But also, if you watched that game, that late, was the late, first late, 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 late. Listen, we'll save it for, for Ferg tomorrow. You didn't even let me explain while we're doing the abbreviated podcast here, you're just going in oh. to what we're not even talking about here. Okay, so as Lath has has not been following here, having an abbreviated podcast, soccer only tonight because a big week of UCL that starts tomorrow. Thus, want to get the podcast out. But Ferg, after having him on the podcast last week to do college football, he insisted that he be allowed back on. And frankly, you know, given the uh, recent events in Atlanta, I was not so inclined to let our resident Georgia Tech fan on the podcast because I don't really want to hear what he has to say. But he did make some picks, and I feel like we got to have him back on anyway. So Ferg is going to join us tomorrow because he can't make it tonight because he's a freaking nerd who goes to Georgia Tech and has to do homework or something tonight. So he'll be joining us tomorrow, and Lath is upset I'm cutting him off here. I can see it in his beady little eyes across the FaceTime. <laughs> um, think you're all hard now because you grew a beard and went down and killed a guy in Savannah, but we're only talking soccer <laughs> Changes the man. <laughs> uh, I don't know. For some reason, I had it in my head that this was going to be a, a, a second part of that podcast. I don't know. But um, no. uh, where, what, what two-parter. Was I we're, we're, we're doing one today, one tomorrow. Going to come out separately. I'll call it episode okay. like 11 and a half, I guess. I so know. double feature from us. 
Exactly, exactly. Okay. But okay. with that said, pre-pod, you told me you've got a little story time before we get things started with some UCL wrap-up uh, as we enter match day six, the final match day of the UEFA Champions League, and I'm going to rant about Arsenal for a good ten minutes. But before I do that, what you got, Lay? Yeah, uh, and you know, this story may <laughs> it may explain why I've started the pod so flustered, I guess. Uh, so... I was coming to town. Obviously, you know, I do the pod at my grandparents' house because they have better Wi-Fi than what I have at home. Uh, I had to be in my brother's car because mine has broke down yet again. So I stopped to get gas, and uh, I noticed that my or the card I'm using is not working. Um, and so instead of putting my phone in my pocket, I just lay it on the hood of my car. You may see where this is, is going. Um, so I, I get all the gas. I get back in the car. And, you know, my music's still playing because it's Bluetooth. But in my truck, I have to plug it into, like, a, like an outlet. So I didn't think anything of it. I just assumed, okay, everything's back to normal. My phone's plugged in. I start going down the road, uh, and everything's fine, listening to my music. And then all of a sudden, the music just cuts off. <laughs> and I was like, what is it? And then it just hit me. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so I immediately find the first, I guess, place I could turn the car around. Uh, park over at Civitan Park, which nobody knows what that is other than you and me just giving you, just painting the picture. And I get out I and start... I don't even really remember where it is, but... Uh, literally just off Tibbs Road, but whatever. Gotcha. Um, so I get out of the car. I start looking. I'm like, just where? where is it? Maybe it's probably destroyed. I see it. It's laying in the middle of the road on Tibbs. And there's still cars going by. I'm watching cars literally just drive over it, praying that it doesn't. I see a wheel almost hit it like three times. Just I'm just beside myself at this point. And then finally, finally, there's nobody there. And I go and grab it. Not a scratch on it. So it all worked out. Obviously, I was so embarrassed. And then I, I get a text from Colton. He says, who's another one of our friends. He's like, hey, are you are you on a walk? <laughs> and I was like, because I was going to keep this to myself, but immediately seeing that, I'm like, oh, I'm exposed. I'm just going to have to go ahead and rant this story out. But that's what it is. Basically, no, I'm not on a walk. I'm out navigating the streets of Dalton looking for my cell phone. So that was what happened about 15 minutes prior to me showing up here to record the pod. Well, I'm, I'm glad you could make it on phone intact because your phone pl- does play a key role in the, oh. uh, in the setup of this podcast. If that that was running through my mind too. I was thinking, man, I've already missed two weeks in a row. Maybe it's going to be so mad if it turns out I can't do it again because my phone is just broken to bits. Well, I'm just you talking about standing on the side of the road just watching his cars go past is waiting <laughs> i imagine you like the, this is a dated reference here like in monsters inc when that when sully is just like <laughs> crossing up and down watching as like the little girls like what he thinks is going through like the garbage compactor yeah. or whatever um just like and she just keeps like narrowly missing it or whatever but anyway yeah. um well good huh now i was honestly when you told me you had a story to tell i was like ah what is this gonna be in front of me other interesting but <laughs> Uh, well, well, well done, Lath, for recovering your phone. Um, I guess that massive, you know, what is it, Otterbox phone case that turns your phone into a dang brick, I guess it worked out <laughs> um, once for you. Oh, yeah. But without further ado, let's get into something that never freaking works out. Arsenal, that's where we're starting in the Premier League for our abbreviated soccer pod here. I have written in the show notes frustrating loss for Arsenal out of Old Trafford of course that was last Thursday I guess we'll start there although Arsenal did just choke and squander a 1-0 lead on the road at Everton to lose 2-1 
Might I add that being Everton's first Premier League win in nine attempts uh, going back to September. So, you know, if you're ever in need of a slump buster, Arsenal's Arsenal's your guy. But I want to talk about this one against Manchester United. CR7 scores his 800th and 801st goals. He is now second all-time. But I think that's only in goals that are, like, officially recognized by FIFA, and we all know basically anything officially FIFA has has an asterisk around it. You don't really want to be uh, leaning on on the integrity of that organization too much. But basically, he's second all-time. Going to pass this Joseph Bican guy who's only at 805, so probably in a couple weeks Ronaldo will have that. Um, but just another notch um, in the belt for, for the GOAT to many people. Um, but ours, for Arsenal, what concerns me, coming off a pretty decent stretch of games um, before uh, going to Anfield and getting our clocks cleaned by Liverpool, then was hoping for a big bounce back here. Um, honestly, just wanted a draw, really, because like, I know Man United is, is struggling, Um you know, kind of languishing down into like outside the top four or five, and so is Arsenal. But I mean, they have a, just a much more talented roster than Arsenal does. So really, all I wanted from this road fixture was hey, just get a draw. And so when we took an early one nil lead, I was like, okay, like this probably like we've defended relatively well. You know, albeit against not the best competition, but I was thinking a draw looked nice. Then you know, just classic. Like Arsenal are doing this thing this season where. We actually start really, really well, like first 10, 15 minutes of most of these games, um, sometimes taking a lead. But like once we do get a lead, and as that has happened today also against Everton, we just quit playing. Like literally have no – the players have no motivation to leave our own half with the ball. Like I don't – we basically go into like your Norwich up a goal at Man City with two minutes left kind of defending with just everybody behind the ball. And it's so frustrating. And against good teams, like – Maybe Man United is not a good team, but against teams with good players like Ronaldo, who all he needs is a half chance to burn you. Like, if you just let those teams have the ball in your half, you're going to get scored on. And that's exactly what happened with United ended up winning 3 2. So, Lay, I don't know if you have any any thoughts on Arsenal before I turn over to, to the disgrace that was this Everton game that I actually, I mean, I didn't get off work to watch it, but I happened to be a little off work this afternoon and watch it. And I'm wishing I honestly just would have been staring at spreadsheets for two hours because that would have been better. <laughs> Well, I mean, was Arsenal playing too conservative? Or I know you mentioned that they, they kind of just let him get behind him. How is that? Well, it's just they don't – like they – I think the original idea, at least it seems to be for the first few minutes after scoring to try to consolidate, you know, a bit. Just, hey, make sure you don't give up that immediate goal, like, you know, five minutes later, which I guess I kind of understand that strategy. But, but, yeah, basically just turns into super conservative play. Like we – seed any sort of possession we, we all of a sudden become a team that's trying to absorb pressure and then win on the break but like again basically here I can try to pull up the the possession stats here but <laughs> it seemed like we couldn't get a touch in the Man United half basically after after the second goal we scored when it was 2-2 um and then you watch yeah, on the sidelines as Arteta slowly morphs into Jose Mourinho <laughs> yeah well Looking actually at the final stats, Arsenal in the United game at least did have 56% possession, but like we didn't do anything with that is basically um, what what it amounts to. Um, and, and Cristiano Ronaldo punished us for it. But again, today against Everton, you know, a bit lucky uh, to go ahead. Everton actually had two goals um, ruled offside by like fine, fine margins for Richarlison. Um, and then immediately... 
Martin Odegaard did get a, get a pretty solid goal um, right, I mean, seriously, like on the stroke of halftime. But Arsenal had done nothing up to that point in that half. And then Nava goal. And I'm thinking, all right, up 1-0 on the road. This would be a great, you know, a great chance to, to, to kind of right the ship here against an Everton, Everton team, again, that is like, you know, where they are even in the table. I don't even know because they haven't won. Um, yeah, they're 12th, you know. So not that, not that Arsenal's unfamiliar with that position in, in the league, but... <laughs> But in this instance, it was conservative play, but it was just holding it super conservatively. Like, we were content just to have the ball in midfield, pass it back, move it forward maybe 30 yards and pass it back, just basically, again, doing nothing with our possession and letting Everton just hang around, hang around, hang around. And just the inability, and I know you have no idea what this feels like being a Bayern fan, who at least on the at the very least, they may give up a decent amount of goals, but they score. Arsenal have zero ability to finish games by by scoring. Like, if Arsenal at, at 1-0, if you go up 2-0 on the road at Everton, they probably kind of roll over at that point, but just never able to, to put the knife in them. And then, you know, Damari Gray, to his credit for Everton, hitting an absolute banger uh, off the woodwork and in um, to get Goodison Park going pretty crazy, which had to be cool for them. But, uh, but yeah, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty sad, Lay. Pretty sad. Yeah, I can, I can see how that'd be frustrating, especially, you know, the games where you have, like, the possession control if it's like 62, 63%, those are the games that you really think that you're going to come away with the win because those are the games where you look at it and think that you're kind of controlling the pace of the game. So to not be able to score even when you're dominating the ball, that's got to be pretty bad. Yeah, it's just there's just no like pointy end to this team. There's no like threat ultimately. Like the the way we score goals is, you know, I guess the one against Everton was was a pretty solid creation by Kieran Tierney down the left. It was good to see him back in the lineup, um, but he actually ended up getting taken off for Nuno Tavares, who who has been starting over in the past few weeks. But like in the United game, our first goal was basically because David De Gea decided to lay down on the goal line and quit playing because he was trying to draw a foul, but it turned out it was actually Fred who stepped on him. So um, in his attempt to flop, he left an open goal that Arsenal was able to score on. Um, but the defending is just not good enough. And really, I don't even know what our you know total goals scored are in the season, but it can't rank um, too high. So just well, all in all, just super dis- – okay, I'm looking at Arsenal's goal for – yeah. I mean, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, six teams that are below Arsenal in the table, some as far as 17th in Watford that have scored more goals than Arsenal this season. Well, I know you mentioned Nuno Tavares. Um, I'm interested to see how do you think that that, that kind of story is going to play out with him and Tierney both playing the same position. I know, I mean, I was high on Tierney when y'all got him, and I know you like him a lot. But Nuno Tavares was a guy that when he was at, um, I believe it was Benfica, he was a guy that just looked like he was ready to play uh, Premier League at that moment. So to see him kind of come in an Arsenal, and I know Tierney just went down with an injury. That's the only reason Tavares got that chance. But do you, who do you think is going to be the depth piece in that situation going forward? Well, the only reason this is even a conversation is because Nuno has come in and played pretty well, but his good games have come against the lesser opponents that we've played. Like he's he had a bad game against Man United, mm. um, and it was at fault himself for some of the goals we conceded at Anfield against Liverpool. So, like. He provides a lot going forward. You know, he's definitely he has a bit of flair and you know, care, like 
teams Arsenal really don't, other than Bakayo Saka and Pepe Nicola Pepe who doesn't actually play anymore but Arsenal really lacks guys that can carry the ball forward or like at least confident enough you know with the ball at their feet to to try to take on a defender in an advance play um, Martinelli's another guy who does that a little bit who's only just now recently um, getting a few more minutes but you know Tavares does that a lot like but he gets so far forward that he becomes, you know, against good teams, it's a liability against, like, I mean, Salah absolutely abused him um, at Liverpool. Like, if, if you're not, you know, plenty of guys who are in good position defensively get burned by Salah. But if you're having to constantly, you know, track back from moving up too far upfield, like, yeah, that's that's just not going to work. Um, and, you know, he shoots a lot randomly for a left back, too. It's like, <laughs> you know, he provides a spark, that's for sure, but... You know, I personally really hope Tierney can can, can kind of get right. And I think it's more of a case of just like, you know, I don't think it's an actual position battle necessarily. I mean, it's a good problem to have, but I think it's more of, you know, trying to get the best now out of Tierney by showing him, look, like last year, if you weren't playing, we were screwed because it was Kalasinac or playing Shaka left back, which we did a lot. And so Tierney kind of basically knew, you know, no matter how well he played, he wasn't losing that spot, but... I think it's overall a good thing that he has somebody to compete with him for that position. But, you know, I also worry too, though, like, and again, I'm no, like, analyst expert here, but in this game against Everton, our offense really stagnated. But what little things we did do was I feel like we just leaned on getting Tierney down the left side and him just hoofing crosses in to really nobody because we don't actually have anybody in the middle of the field who is especially dominant in the air or even strong enough to to you know carve out a space in the 6-yard box and maybe head on to somebody else like we're not a very good crossing team but like that's what Tierney does like mm. he's he's a good defender but what he does really successfully going forward is straight line running down the left got a good left foot he's a really good crosser of the ball but like we just don't have anybody that can do anything with it so and that became like the only avenue of attack we had against against Everton. And so I don't know if having Tierney in the lineup, you know, if the players kind of lean excessively on that, because I just don't know. Granted, that actually is how we created Odegaard's goal in this game, actually was across from Tierney. But you can't count on your 140-pound number 10 banging in volleys as a consistent uh, form of getting goals. Like, if you're going to be a crossing team, you need to have guys that can win headers, and we just don't. So... Um, I was actually listening to the the Ars Blog podcast, guys, and um, James McNicholas, the uh, Arsenal writer for The Athletic, made a really good point that, like, you know, he's a big proponent of, of tyranny. There's nobody who watches Arsenal who's a fan of Arsenal who's not a big fan of tyrannies and thinks – because we can all remember when he was the number one name on the team sheet last year. But he made a point that tyranny doesn't really fit this Arteta – team at the moment like Tierney would I think would be better served and I hope he doesn't realize this I think he might would be better served playing in a in a different in a different team that that can use more of that straight line direct attacking from from their you know from their wing backs or from their left backs um but who knows I I mean I think I'm not really too worried about about Tierney losing his starting job but we just got to figure out how to best use him and I don't know I'm honestly kind of leaning Arteta out after these after these back to back home losses and, and I mean it's just obvious he's not getting the best out of you know we have a very limited team. Again, it was what I mentioned with the United game, like just looking at those two lineups, Arsenal should not 
go in there and win. That's why I was like, I was just hoping for a draw, no matter how out of form Man United have been with Michael Carrick at manager, whatever. But we do have good enough play. We have better players than Everton, though. Like that's to to create two total chances against Everton, and just the way we just cannot play with a lead and cannot score enough goals. Like that's just on Arteta. There's there's no there's no excusing it. So. Well, you can take solace in the fact that I doubt Tierney listens to our pods. So <laughs> that little nugget about him playing somewhere else, I don't think that'll fall upon his ears. Well, at least not from me, anyway. But yeah. shout out to the Scottish uh, audience if we ha- if we have any. <laughs> we do have at least like a couple people overseas that listen. I don't remember. I haven't looked at it in a while to see where it's coming from. But Well, I know I've looked at the notes here, and I noticed you said that <laughs> you didn't think that I watched a Dirk Classicer because I am quote-unquote not a real fan. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and call cap on that. I actually I was watching the Oklahoma State game and started streaming this on my phone simultaneously. So terrible quality video, but I was able to catch uh, Dirk Classiker. And, you know, I, I didn't really like what I saw. I remember You remember I was really big on Hansi Flick when we had him at Bayern before he moved on to the national team. He was a guy that I really liked. I liked his style, aggressive style of play and pressing. But when we got Nagelsmann, that was supposed to be kind of the next step up because Hansi Flick's attack gave way to a lot of goals on the back end. The counter tore us apart. Defenders just weren't in the right spot. But it was okay because we were scoring three, four goals a game. Well, whenever Nagelsmann comes in, there's this whole philosophy going out about how he's going to do smart pressing. He'll only press in certain circumstances so that we can keep the structure at the back sound. So seeing that as a Bayern fan, you get really excited and you start to think that this team's going to be on the come up. Well, this whole year, I mean, it started out fine against some weaker opponents, but as we've gotten farther into the Bundesliga uh, and into the UCL stages, that defense is still just looking not great. I mean, this this last game at Dortmund ended 3-2, which I like exciting classicers, but if you watch the game, I mean, Upamecano, who was the, like the prime signing over the summer to replace Alaba defense, he just got manhandled by Erling Holland all game. He could not keep up with them. They probably could have scored a few more, and we probably should have lost this game. And, and then on the front end, I mean, we scored three today, but we haven't been scoring the same amount of goals that we did over Handy, Hansi Flick. So you start to wonder, as a Bayern fan, was this really a step in the right direction, hiring Nagelsmann? Or, or should are we missing Flick this bad? And you start thinking, is this the players? Is this the scheme? So I don't know. We're kind of at a crossroads now. Obviously, he still has the club's support. But just looking at this, it's really not a lot for me to get excited about once we get deep into the UCL. You lucky bastard. Over here talking about <laughs> not. I'm literally looking at the top of the table. You've just beaten Dortmund, who was in second. You're now four points clear. And before, we're literally seconds away from talking about UCL, where you won every single match in the UCL group stage. Like, and to well, be fair, you had Barca in the group. He was not playing great, but like, I don't see how the words I can't get excited about this can possibly come out of your mouth. But I guess (laughs) that just goes to show that it's like the old saying, like, hey, you know, rich people, money doesn't make you happy. I guess winning at two doesn't make me. So, like, what do I have to look forward to as an Arsenal fan if in 100 years from now we finally get good and I'll still be pissed off based on on the way you're making this sound? (laughs) Well, when Auburn takes four losses in a row, I, I look to Bayern Munich to try to get my joy. And when it's not going that way, then I really have nothing going for me. So, <laughs> and I looked, I looked to Arsenal. That shows you how dire this weekend was for me. Um, 
golly, tough, tough. We'll, we'll talk about the dogs tomorrow. But, um, but, yeah, I guess without further ado, the only competition Byron cares about, the UCL, which, again, 15 points from, you know, five games, not a whole lot to complain about there, lay. But the reason we wanted to rush this podcast in is because match day six of six in the UEFA Champions League starts tomorrow. Um, we obviously made some picks pre-tournament starting we'll we'll kind of check in on how those are doing but a lot of a lot of groups are up for grabs here lay a lot of them coming down to the wire very few spots are locked in um, and even fewer spots in terms of like who actually will finish one or two even even fewer of those are locked in actually Bayern and Ajax I think maybe I think it's just Bayern Ajax and Man City are the only three to have uh locked up first place in their in their respective groups. I'm just not remembering. I made like this nice like handwritten like you know reference guide for me to look at with regards to these games. <laughs> I just realized I left it at work. So <laughs> we're oh. gonna have to go just off of uh just off what Google has to show here. But looking uh oh that's really unfortunate actually. That was like I spent like twenty minutes doing that. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah group A, Man City one, PSG two absolutely locked up. Uh there's no way that can change with Leipzig well off the pace. But just scrolling down, you know, starting here in Group B, Liverpool, actually another team I forgot to mention, they're on 15 points, won all their matches. But here's where the first games of interest are going to take place here tomorrow late. So Porto, Atletico Madrid, and your Milan boys are all within shouting distance of that second and crucial final qualifying spot for the knockouts in Group B. Um, so Porto on five points, Milan on four, Atletico, who I hint at the picks later down the road. I actually picked them to go very far in the Champions League, so um, <laughs> need them to get out of this group here. But uh, the goal difference such that you know it doesn't look like uh, that will probably come into play. But the big match, Porto against Atletico Madrid, winner of that game, if there is a winner, will go through um, – I think even if it's uh, even if it's Atletico Madrid, yeah, because I just don't see Milan on the other end of that. They have to travel to Anfield to take a, or no, I think they might get Liverpool at home. Where is where is that game at? Uh, yeah, they do, they do, they get Milan in the San Siro, so or excuse me, get Liverpool in the San Siro. Right, late prediction time. We both had Liverpool and Atletico coming out of this group. Are you confident enough in your pick there? Are you backing Atletico to go through or or Porto and Milan drawing your eye here as we uh, as we go into the final day? Yeah, I, I mean, this is easily the biggest match of them because it's both of them lose or go home. Uh, I think I'm still would lead uh, with Atletico just because it seems like in the UCL, when the chips are down, whenever someone has to make it to qualify, in the past they've ended up pulling it out. So, I, I, you know, looking at that, Porto, obviously a good team, but I think Atletico just – is going to talent their way through this one, in my opinion. Yeah, um, for me, it's just the fact that Milan have to play Liverpool. You just you just can't count on them getting anything from that game. Now, granted, Liverpool are undoubtedly going to rest people. I would think. Um, yeah. Who do they play at the weekend in the league? Um, just Aston Villa. So, um, even so, this I mean, this is a completely meaningless game for Liverpool. They've already got the number one spot locked up. So. I would expect them to rest people, but even with that, Milan are going to have their hands full um, getting a result from there. Uh, and we're going to pick this game in the soccer picks that we haven't done in three weeks again because Leith has been skipping out on us. 
Probably just trying to avoid worsening his record because it basically seems like every week he make picks, the record's not getting any better. So, uh, but yeah, I think I'm I'm with you. Uh, in fact, I think if I had, to, I don't, I'm not, I can't even remember who I picked in this game. But here's actually what I think is going to happen. Atletico. No, that can't happen. Never mind. I was going to say there's going to be a draw, <laughs> and Atletico is going to go through, but that actually wouldn't happen. Porto would go through with with any points. So. Atletico beats Porto, Milan loses, and there's there's your top two going through. Next in Group C, a team that you I know you have a soft spot for. You bought their uh, kit recently. Um, I actually met a guy. Uh, we're talking about Ajax here. I met a guy from the Netherlands the other day, um, and he this dude obviously well, he wasn't from there per se. He's weird scenario where I don't know how I got to talking to this guy, but weird scenario where like his parents are American, his brother's American, but he happened to be born in the Netherlands. Um, and then like grew up and went to school like his entire life in the U S but the visa he was on was like for school. So when he graduated like high school, the U S kicked him out. Like he's been living in the Netherlands for the past like six years. Um, so you said he's an Ajax fan. Uh, no, I just asked him about Ajax, and he was oh. like, but, but here's the thing, here's how I know he's not an Ajax fan, because he's like, yeah, man, they suck. They're not doing anything. I was like, what are you talking about? They, they're yeah. going to finish top of their, of their Champions League group where that, I wasn't even positive they were going to get out of that group. Um, so, but anyway, um, Ajax, top of that with 15 points. Um, actually not a whole lot of drama here, but I'm curious your take on, on Dortmund. Are they lock Europa League winners now that they're for sure not getting in with Sporting grabbing that second spot? Yeah, um, I think so. I mean, this is a Dortmund team that really, they kind of came together later on uh, in the Bundesliga. It just doesn't seem like everything has kind of corrected itself since they got Sancho, or since they lost Sancho, excuse me. So I think that, yeah, Dortmund's going to be a team that falls to the Europa League. But back to, if I can, back to Ajax. I mean, you talk about Bayern winning five in a row. Ajax won all five games in dominant fashion, too. And, you know, this team is starting to look, when you look at them and just the scoring, the sheer offensive ability, it's starting to look like that Ajax team uh, from a couple years ago that made a run. So, I don't know. Maybe it's a team to watch uh, watch for going further on into the tournament. I hope so. I always like those Cinderella stories. Yeah, looking at them, 16 goals scored, just three allowed. I mean, only allowing three goals and including, you know, I mean, that's three goals in five matches and plus two of those matches against Erling Holland and Dortmund, who we know – if he's on the team sheet in the UCL match, he's scoring yeah. most of the time. So um, that's actually really impressive for them. Now, granted, the rest of that group, say what you will about sporting and come to Besiktas, who are down at the bottom <laughs> having lost all five of their matches. Nobody came. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody came to Besiktas. So uh, tough look for them. But Ajax and Sporting going through, and Dortmund now, I guess, can focus all their efforts on the Pokal and on the Bundesliga. So they better watch out so now that they're uh, – mm to be languishing in Europa League. Bite your fucking arm off of Europa League right now. But uh, Group D moving down. The plucky upstarts, the the lovable, not-so-lovable underdogs because they are uh, connected to the KGB. Sheriff was rooting for them this whole time, but they just couldn't couldn't quite hang on and have drifted out of contention to get out of this Group D. But Sheriff, RIP, you will be remembered as a real one. Um, your, your fans that have been there since 2005 will really relish that that historic win um, in the in the long history of your club, but Real Madrid and Inter duking it out for the top in that group. Um, they actually do play each other uh, in Real, or sorry, excuse me, in Madrid, <laughs> in Real Madrid. But oh, well, I was in trying to Real. think of the name of the stadium, and I couldn't think of it for some reason. 
Um, so yeah, enter. I'll be honest. When we first started, you know, our previous podcast, um, the relegation zone, I, I had much more of a tentative fandom for Enter. I haven't watched a lick of them like all season. I, I really <laughs> don't care. But sure, I'll pull for them to, to top the group. But they'll have to get a win against Real Madrid to do that. Um, all right, Group E, Lay. I'll let you lead us off here because this is this is Bayern's domain here. They're obviously through, but what do you make of Barca Benfica? Barca got to get at least a point to guarantee potentially that they'll go through but the matches coming up from them this week are yep they got to go to Bayern so yep. what, do, what do you make another blog on his chances under new manager Xavi by the way yeah I, I think it's too much and you know lo- looking at like just I'm, I'm on the Bayern boards obviously on Bleacher Report there's been so many Benfica fans just sliding into the community convo saying hey if y'all could just do this one for us we'll take care of uh, Dynamo Kiev and we'll slide on in there so just please beat Barca and, you know, I, I want to do them justice. I want to do it to them because, I don't know, this Barca team, they're just they're not they're not that fun to watch. I don't want to see them make the tournament. And I don't know I don't know if this is true or not, but, you know, when you're playing FIFA um, in the manager mode, you always get that massive transfer check once you get out of the group stages and into the tournament. So just knowing that Barca is already, whatever is it, like a billion dollars in debt and missing out on that... <laughs> Missing out on that check is, I don't know, it's kind of funny to me, if yeah, that's the case. Yeah, you, well, you make it, that definitely is how it works because the TV contract, you know, for the UCL group has obviously been split evenly between the 32 teams right. in each of the group <clears> stages. But once it gets down to the round of 16, all that money is now just going to 16 teams. So you're getting a lot more money um, coming your way if you're one of these clubs. But, yeah, the closer I look at this at this group table – Barca, in all likelihood, will need a win, you know, in um, in Munich to, to get out because they're up by two points, but a draw would see their goal differential stay the same, and they're tied on goal differential with Benfica, who we would expect to beat Kiev and thus improve their goal differential by at least one, giving them the tiebreaker there. So, uh, yeah, tough, tough hang for Barca. But you're the only person I know close enough to the situation to, to give any opinion on this lay. Are, are Bayern going to be resting a good amount of guys knowing that this game means nothing to them or, or given your kind of issues and maybe maybe a general criticism of the way Bayern's been handling their business lately, do they try to prove prove something here and really handle Barca at home? I think they do try to prove something. Just because that Mönchengladbach loss at home a few weeks ago, 5-0, that really kind of lit a fire just for all the Bayern, the Bayern board, the fans. It really frustrated people a lot, probably more so than it should. But ever since then, it kind of seems like we haven't been resting guys that we normally would. And it's just been everybody's been zeroed in on continuing the winning streak that we've got going on. So I think that this is another game that kind of falls into that category where maybe in previous seasons we would have rested. I think that we get after them this time. Yeah, and that would, of course, result in a, uh, you know, again, Bayern 1, Benfica, Barcelona duking it out for 2 there. So we'll have to see who comes out. Um, But, again, looking like Benfica. Might get their wish, their their message board wish, and uh, <laughs> handle their business. But next in Group F, Man United. This is where it gets a little more interesting. They're probably gonna win the group, three points clear of Villarreal. But technically, um, a loss for the Red Devils could see Villarreal sneak into that top spot um, on goal difference, but unlikely. The real battle I'm more interested in is between Villarreal and Atalanta for that second spot. Um, Atlanta down by just one point, but these two teams play each other um, 
on Wednesday. So it's in Italy. I think we both had Atalanta in our picks. Again, are you are you confident enough to stick to stick with your guns here that Atlanta get the win that they will need to go through, or is uh, Good Evening and Unai Emery gonna gonna do it to them? <laughs> no, I I like Atlanta. I think that they compete in a much more defensive league, and they're able to score goals in that league, and that's kind of what I chalk this one up down to. So I think when they go in, they're going to be able to steal a few more goals and win the match. Yeah, and for Manchester United again, they're taking on Young Boys, who they did I think. Either they lost or they tied in their very first match of the UCL campaign against them. So that's not a gimme, but I don't think United's going to be too concerned. Um, Ronaldo this season has basically been Holland, where like as, as long as you just write his name down on the on the lineup, he's going to get an 89th minute equalizer or winner for them. So, um, but yeah, we both need uh, Atalanta to come out of that group for uh, for our picks there. Then in Group G, by far the most wide open one, where any result in theory is possible in fact the team Wolfsburg at the bottom could after after this week finish top of the group same thing goes for Lille in the number one spot could end up missing out and and going bottom so we have in first Lille with eight points second RB Salzburg with seven points a big surprise I didn't think they'd be be in contention here with one match left in third Sevilla a team we both picked I think to top this group Um, they have six points and then down in fourth, the only team with a negative goal differential in the group is Wolfsburg on five points. A lot of scenarios here. Again, tight points race. And then the goal differential between Lille, Salzburg, and Sevilla, they're all at positive one goal differential. So we could see a lot of tie-breaking scenarios come into play in this group. And the matchups are one versus four, Lille traveling to Wolfsburg. And then um, the two middle teams, RB Salzburg and Sevilla, going at it. So Leith. One through four, how is this shaken out and why? Yeah, looking at this one, <laughs> no matter how enticing the uh, Europa League is to Sevilla, uh, I think that they're going to get this one done. Um, I think they're just a more talented team, and they take that <coughs> second spot. And I think Lille, Lille's a team that has shown that they are, have been really good in recent uh, games. I think that they also beat Wolfsburg. So I think it goes Lille, Sevilla, um, Salzburg, and then Wolfsburg. Yeah, Lille, again, a team that won Ligue 1, shocked, shocked the nation last year by, yeah. by taking the crown from PSG, not having nearly that strong of a uh, campaign so far um, in the French League, but would be a big, big get-out-of-the-group stage for them in you know, what's not the group of death, but easily the most competitive league. I don't think there's one team that's head and shoulders above the rest, obviously, given how tight this points race is. You know, I'm inclined to believe... You know, you know, believe in Sevilla and Leo with you, lay, but uh, Sevilla loves that Europa League, though. Like, I, <laughs> I don't know, like, I'm just itching to get back to it. Just to, and I mean, I mean, again, we both had the exact same pick: Sevilla one, Lille two. Technically, that's possible. Still, we could still be right. I don't think we will be. Um, I kind of got a feeling that that one of either Salzburg or Wolfsburg, probably most likely Salzburg, is is going to do what they need to do. Um, Salzburg has won their last two mass- matches in the UCL, so um, I think I think I'm going to go with the Red Bulls, but not you know one of the three Red Bulls, I should say, probably the second best Red Bulls. Are they be- yeah. better than Leipzig? <laughs> uh, probably right now. I think um, Leipzig's actually. I know you remember they hired Jesse Marsh this year to kind of succeed Nagelsmann, and I think he's already been given the boot. So maybe uh, I think actually a Salzburg team this year probably could beat Leipzig. Well, 
I'm, I'm picking them, uh, which will obviously hurt hurt the picks, but it'll also hurt you just as bad as it hurts me. So then lastly, no drama here in Group H other than just who's going to go top, Chelsea and Juventus. Again, we both had some variation of those two going through, um, but I got to say, I didn't think Juve – I think I definitely had Chelsea as, as one. Yeah, I did. You had Juve going one. So I guess this is the only real battle of one of us having a chance <laughs> to get one over on the other because we have the exact same group stage picks for the most part. Um, so do you still uh, do you still like your chances of, of Chelsea finishing top here? Let's see the matchup. Yeah, Chelsea traveling to Zenit and Juve hosting Malmo. I mean, both games that they should both win, but I think you got to favor Juve's matchup here if you had to pick one. Yeah, I think that's probably the least stronger team of the three, or of the two, I'm sorry, Zenit. Even though they're removed from the days of Hulk and kind of the, the Brazilians that jump ship and head to Russia, I think they're still probably a better team than Malmo and put up a little bit more of a fight, so I think you're probably right. Plus, Chelsea at the weekend have Leeds. Meanwhile, Juve, who would they potentially need to rest people for? They're playing Venezia, the, the best-looking team in Serie A, but uh, I don't think necessarily the strongest. But yeah, those kids are fresh, though. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think we're going to see both Chelsea and Juve really go after this game. Again, just benefit of, of winning the group. Although you sometimes say it's a, po- a poison chalice in some seasons where, you know, the team that ends up finishing in second is, is still pretty damn strong too. So, uh, yeah, they'll duke it out. I guess I'll stick with, with Juve since I picked them and I want to – or, no, excuse me, with Chelsea finishing top. Uh, so I want to be right. God, I can't even keep up with who I picked. So that shows you how much I actually care about it. Um <laughs> But with all that said, quick rundown of our UCL predictions that we made pre-match day one. You and I both had PSG and City going through. You were actually correct, though, in terms of the order with City 1, PSG 2, whereas I had the Parisians going first. Um, We both have Liverpool 1, Atletico 2 in Group B. Both need a big performance um, from that half of Madrid to go through. Both big wrong about Group C. Both had Dortmund topping it. They're not even going to go through. Meanwhile, Ajax grabbing the first spot. We had them in second. Uh, then Group E, both have Bayern and Barca. But I think you're right. I think both of us are kind of down for to be wrong about that and not see Barca go through. <laughs> uh, um, similar scenario in Group F. Man, you have that right as number one, but we both have Atalanta, who are, who are in a fight this week to, to go through the knockout stages. Then big, big events up for grabs. You go Sevilla and Lille in Group G, and then basically kind of bang on for Chelsea, Juve. But Atletico is especially important for me because I actually have them picked to make the semifinals, which I'm not retracting. Yeah, I, I'm giving myself a chance to retract here, and I'm not going to do it. I believe in them. Simeone. I'm hoping that, honestly, oh, actually, that, that might change my mind. Because I'd love to sack Arteta and get Simeone if that's possible. But obviously, he wouldn't just leave Atleti willingly, I don't think. But if Atletico got knocked out of the UCL and like finished mid-table in La Liga and they fired him, maybe... <laughs> You're doing some real scheming now. That's looking a for the dominoes. That's the thought. I'll get back to you on on what I actually want to happen there. But yeah, and then meanwhile in the Europa Conference League, uh, Spurs. I'm just kidding. I don't actually have that pulled up, but <laughs> that's going on. I think let's let's have a quick check in on that. I literally have no clue what other than Spurs. I have no, I have no clue what other teams are in this. I do know that Spurs lost to like a a partisan club or something like that. Um. Let's see where Roma actually not top of their group right now in Group C uh, with Bodo slash Glimt in first. <laughs> Ooh. 
It's hard to beat two teams at once. I mean, if if they got 20, yeah. if they got twenty two guys on the field, like that's that's, that's a tough, tough. ask. <laughs> uh, and then Spurs, they lost to Mura. That's right. Whoever that is, that's a Slovenian team. Ines Mura, I think. Yeah, I remember seeing that the other day. I don't think I realized it was Spurs that lost. Uh, uh, I bet Conte maybe yeah. wishing he was still uh, in the city of Milan. Oh yeah, you're trading in Milan and that club for like North London and losing to Mura on a Tuesday night. Um, so yeah, but yeah, Spurs tra- actually tra- not even topping. <laughs> trading in the second best club in Milan for like the third best club <laughs> in London. Fourth, honestly, ah. Crystal Palace up there, but. Yeah, Spurs behind Wren in Group G. Hey, I know a loss to Wren. Arsenal have done that before in the Europa League. So, um, But, yeah, that's that. So, as we wrap up, what I said was going to be an abbreviated pod, and here we are, I think, a solid 45, 50 minutes later. Yeah, 45 minutes. Going to make some soccer picks, as we have not done in quite a while. Going to be a big UCL slate. So, I'm assuming, Lath, that you filled out your picks. I haven't looked. Uh, I believe uh, so, yes. Since. So, Top matches in the UCL, Atletico at Porto. That one is, let me pull up the matches here. I think that one's tomorrow. Yep, tomorrow at 3 p.m. We both need Atletico bad, some more than others. I like 2-1 to Atleti. I think they get it done. What about you, Lay? Yep, I think this is another one. Atleti get it done. 1-0, I think this is a gross, ugly game. But like I said, I think they talent their way through it. 1-0, Atleti. Next up, we've got the Good Evenings traveling to Atlanta, Villarreal, taking on the Italian side. Don't know a ton about either of these teams. I just know that I don't like Unai Emery, and Atlanta scores a lot of goals. So I'm going to say 3-2 to the uh, second-best blue and black team in Italy. Mm. Yep, I'm going to go with the Atlanta as well. Like I said, I think they'd play in a tougher, divi- or a tougher league, and it's going to show in this game 2-1. And then lastly... Sevilla at Salzburg, battle of who's definitely going to win Europa League. Um, in this instance, I have a 1-1 draw. So what would that actually mean for that group if that happens? So Sevilla currently sitting in third. If they draw, they go tied on points um, with Salzburg. But actually, no, they'd be drawing with Salzburg. So, yeah, a draw, unless unless Wolfsburg were to beat Lille, a draw would make sure Salzburg and Lille go through. So I have Sevilla right where they want them, um, dropping down into that Europa League for, for the remainder of this season. <laughs> uh, the Europa League's calling. I don't think they answer this time. I think Sevilla gets the dub, 2-1. All right, and just to uh, have add a little context to these picks here and why you should not trust Lay at all. Um, <sighs> my record on the year, 14-9. and Lath having, I don't know how you ended up with, with less games, but you do somehow so yeah you're nine and eleven hmm. just just throwing that out there i'll write myself this week it'll be fine you say that every week so 